before God has gotten me to a place to where I need to stop a little bit, slow down a little bit. So we may not conclude this lesson. This may be the second installment of the family reunion. If you have your Bibles, open again to the book of Genesis, the 32nd chapter. There are times when we face difficult situations that there is absolutely nothing that we can do about it. And we must take difficult situations to the Lord in prayer. There's time that there's some things in our lives that happen in our lives that only God can do something about them. There's time that we struggle with relationships within the family unit. We've strayed, struggled with, with, with children that don't really get it. We struggle with siblings that seem to stab us in the back and talk about us behind our backs. And we as born-again believers need to know how to respond to situations like this. Because understand that situations like this give us our greatest opportunity to show forth Christ. It is not when everyone is smiling and getting along that you see the beauty of Christ in the lives of the believer. It is when people treat you negatively when you have your naysayers and your haters, and you can still respond as a Christian, that is really what gives them the Christian light. That is what, the, the, when, when, when Jesus said, let your works be done before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, that's when you're glorified. When you can face difficult situations and still smile. When you can face difficult situations and still bless that person. That's what's needed, because the Bible said, then we are winning our brother. You need to win some folk. We cannot beat people into Christ. We cannot beat them into submission. We must win them by our godly conduct. And so we're going to look at a couple of verses here in the 32nd chapter of Genesis. We're going to begin at verse number nine pretty much picking off where we left off last week. And the reason Jacob said, oh God, my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saith unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all of my mercy, the mercies and all of the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I have become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hands of my brother, from the hands of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with children. And thou sayest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sands of the sea, which cannot be numbered amongst the multitude. And if you skip on down to verse number 24. Verse 24 says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go. 
for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thee bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as the prince have thy power with God and with men and have prevailed. From this text, we'd like to pin this or title this as dealing with difficult family situations. We know that family is the bedrock of what God is doing in the earth. We know that God created man and woman and gave them the commandment to be fruitful and to multiply. Thus we see the inception of our family, the family unit. But even as early on as Adam and Eve and the children, we see that sin had perverted the family, had twisted some things within the family. And we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge the fact that there are some problems in our families. And I know that, that we try to cover it up and we try to hide it. We don't want folk to see the real issues that's going on within the family. But understand this, that if people don't really see really what's going on, they really cannot provide the help that you may need. There are some circumstances and some situations that, that, that many of us have gone through that God has made us experts in that we can be a blessing to someone else. You'll notice that, I, that I'm always talking about being a blessing to someone else. It seems that the church has gotten to a place to, where we only want to be blessed of God. But God will bring you to a place and bring you to your knees when it comes to family situations and family relationships. Because as we discovered on last week, there was a rift going on between two twin brothers. And it really shouldn't have been because they were twin brothers. Did you not know that twins have a connection that other siblings do not have? There are times that twins can feel that something is going wrong with the other twin and they're thousands of miles away. You find twins that will complete one another's sentences. Why? Because there's this divine connection between the twins. But in this case, that is not, it was not the case. God had already established Jacob as being the blessed one, the promised one, the one in which the Messiah would come through. As a matter of fact, in Malachi, uh, 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 he, he tells Malachi, he said, he said, before the boys, the two twins had a chance to do anything wrong, I made my sovereign choice. And he said, Esau have I hated, and Jacob have I loved. And so it begs, begs the question, why did God love Jacob? Why, why did God make the choice that he made? Well, he made it because he is God. And sometimes God sees, well, all the time, God sees things that we don't see. God has the privilege of being in the now, right now, but yet still in the future as well. And so God sees everything that would transpire between these two brethren. God loved Jacob. And he loved Jacob for the same reason that he loves us. Because he chooses to love us. There is nothing that any of us can do to warrant the love of God. I know you miss goody two-shoe. 
I know you missed the holier than thou, but understand that all of your goodness is as filthy rags before the Lord. It's a good thing that God does not lo love us based upon our performances. Think about that. If God loved you based upon what you brought to the table, how much love do you think you will receive from God? Come on, be honest with yourself. I think you, I, I know you think you're all that in a bag of chips. I know you think that. But the reality of it is, none of us are good enough. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that word all means all. There are no exclusions. No one is exempt from that word all. And so because of the, the trickery of Jacob, because Jacob grabbed hold of what was already his, because he stole the birthright from Esau, who was the oldest, because he conspired with his mother to steal the blessing that was supposed to go to Esau. Esau, his brother, is now upset with him. He's mad with him. And so Jacob runs off and lives with his uncle Laban. And he stays there for 20 years. There's a 20-year gap. In 20 years, that anger can do one of two things. Either it can fester and turn into bitterness and resentment or you can submit yourself to God and let it turn into blessings and reconciliation. We'll see down the road exactly what took place. But after 20 years of serving his uncle Laban, God speaks to Jacob and tells him, Go back home. That's a good advice, to go back home. Because whether you know it or not, there's no place like home. My kids are testified to that. They come home, they do everything they did before they left home. They go in my refrigerator, eat my food, turn on my TV, the channel which they want to watch. They do what they want to do in my house. I said, I can't come to your house and do that. But they're always welcome there. Why? Because this will always be home for them. So he instructs Jacob to go back home. Listen here, the, the primary reason I believe that he instructs Jacob to go back home is because God knows what's going on on the inside of Jacob. He knows that there's this great fear of his brother. His brother was a wild man. His, man. his brother was a violent man. And so God sends Jacob back to face his greatest fear. Listen, brothers and sisters, there are some times that God will send you into situations to face your greatest fear. Because that's the one thing that is holding you back is the fear of something overtaking you. And there's times that you will not get over it until you face that fear. Listen, there are some people who are afraid to come back into the worship service. And God is saying, it's time to come home. It's time for you to face this fear and step out in faith and trust God. 
God has blessed us to be able to come back in this place. He's blessed us to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so here it is, Jacob is afraid of his brother. And in this 32nd chapter, he prays this prayer. A prayer that he's praying because he's afraid. And I don't know about you, but there's times that I've been afraid of circumstances and situations. There's times that the only thing that has helped me is getting down on bended knees and praying to the Lord. Facing the challenges in which God has brought me to. Because understand this, that if God brings us to it, he'll bring us through it. That's the type of God he is. I don't care what you're facing this morning. I don't care who's coming against you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God is well able to take care of every enemy that comes your way. Y'all act like y'all don't believe in me this morning. Let me tell you something. God has taken care of every enemy that has come my way. God has given me explicit instructions that I am not to fight nobody. I, I'm not here to fight anybody. But what I am here to do is to give you the word of God. Because it is the Lord that will fight my battles. And when did we get to the place to where we stop honoring what God's word said? God's word is what it is. And as long as I'm here, we're going to honor what God's word said. I don't care what we think other people might do or say. It is God's word that has the final authority. And if God says love your enemies, then that's what we need to do. Love our enemies. If God says forgive them who, who use you and misuse you, then that's what we're going we gonna to forgive them. Because that's the word of God. That's the word of God. And God's word tells us that we are to fulfill his commandments by loving one another. Loving our neighbors as ourselves. Loving our sisters and brothers. Preferring them better than us. Esteeming them greater than us. That's what we're to do. That's the word of God. And secondly, when did we get away from this love? You see, we talk about love. We tell people we love them. But when is the last time we've demonstrated that love? The Bible said that, 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 that love does not seek its own way. In other words, it's not going to always go your way. It's not going to always be like you want it to be. But 1 Peter 4 and 8 says that love will cover a multitude of sin. So when your brother offends you, when your sister offends you, you should always be in a place to reconcile, to be forgiving. But yet and still, we take up words against our brother. We speak out against them. We bicker and we argue amongst one another. There's contention in the church. And this is not how God designed the church. This is the family of God. But just like the natural family, has their falling outs. So does the spiritual family. 
the universal church has a problem. It's not just Macedonia Baptist Church. This is universal. The church has been divided for so many years. You have so many schisms. So much conflict. So much disagreement. And the only way we're going to get rid of this is that we're going to have to get down on bended knees and pray. So that's what Jacob does. Up until this point, Jacob is basically depending on himself. There's a story of a man that went to a manufacturing plant. And outside of the building had the words I-A-D-O-M. And it pondered him. He wondered, what does this word mean? What is this? What is this word? And as he went into the plant, he began to look, and he said that the, 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 the word was plastered all over the plant. Everywhere you looked, there was these words, I-A-D-O-M. And after conducting his business, he stopped and asked the plant managers, he said, what does this word mean, I-A-D-O-M? He said, it all depends on me. It was an acronym. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we have that same mentality to which we believe that everything depends upon us. And it is not us, it is God that is going to do this. You keep trying to fight battles that God and only God can fight. If we would just stand on the word of God, if we would just trust God and only, listen, that's what Jacob failed to do. He didn't trust God in everything that God had already shown him. Jacob, you got the birthright. You've got the blessing. What else is needed? So here he begins to pray. Jacob's first plea in this prayer was for purpose. Understand that our purpose is key. The reality of it is, is that our purpose is really in God's plan for our lives. Here he says, in verse number nine, he said, and Jacob said, O God, my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do good to you. God's purpose for Jacob was to return, that he might be able to face his greatest fear. Really what Jacob is saying is that, God, I was doing just fine. I know I had some problems with Laban, but God, I was doing just fine where I was at. God, it was you that told me to go back to my kindred. It was you that told me to go back and to face this opposition that I perceive is coming from my brother. Listen, there are, there are going to be some time that God is going to tell you to do some things. And you're going to find yourself all alone. You're going to find yourself uh, appearing to be without strength. You're going to find yourself in a pace of weakness. But that's exactly where God wants you to be. Because Jacob finds himself squarely in the middle of God's will for his life. How many of us have really stopped and asked God, God, what is your will for my life? Most folks are afraid to ask God that. I dare you to ask God, God, what is the purpose? What is your will for my life? What is it that you would have for me to do? And most times, it'll go squarely against what you want. 
But understand that God knows better even than you what's best for you. I, I know you think you know what's best for you. But how many of us have made some decisions that have landed us in hot water? In a worse situation than we've already been in. Because we have not trusted God for the purpose and his will for our lives. God has a purpose. God is not directionalist. He has a direction for your life. He has a direction for your life outside of these four walls. There are ministries in this church as well that God has a purpose for you. We need some good singers in the choir, some more singers in the choir. We need people who are going to be on the usher board. We need people who are going to be on the different ministries in this church. Did you not know that there are some folk that just quit? They just left. And we need to replace people that have left, that have sat down, that have quit. And you did not quit on this church. You certainly didn't quit on me. You quit on God. It is God the one that has called me to this place. And if I ever get to the place to where I don't want to do this anymore, it will be God that keeps me here. Even when I don't want to be here, it's God that brings me here. That is his plan. That is his purpose for my life. And how dare I tell God, no, I don't want to do it. How dare I sit down on God? Because I didn't get in my way. Because things didn't happen the way I wanted them to happen. You never sit down on God. After all he's done for me, after what he's brought me through, Come on, you ought to be able to testify to the fact too. How dare you sit down on God in everything that he's done for you, how he's blessed you, how he's kept you. You're sitting here in your right mind today because of God. God has a purpose. He has a plan. And we all are part of that plan. There's a place for you here at the Macedonia Baptist Church. You just have to identify it through prayer. The second thing that Jacob pleads for is he pleads for the providence of God. In verse 10, look, he said, he said I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love. My God, my God. Steadfast love. That means that it does not move. God's love is always there. And all of the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. Come on now. God is faithful. Listen, you know what faithful means? It, it means that God will never let you down. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're up against, God will never let you down. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. He's faithful. He said, of the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I have crossed this Jordan, and now I have come, become two camps. Jacob is thanking God for God's providence. Number one, he's thanking him because he loved him so much. Once again, God loves us because he decides to love us. 
Jacob recognized there's nothing good in me that God loves me, but he loves me and he's not only loving, but he's faithful to me. He's kept me. But here's the other thing. He said, he said that when I came this way 20 years ago, in other words, when Jacob left his, 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 his mother and father and came to Laban, he said, I came with nothing but a staff in my hand. Now God has blessed me so much, I got two camps with me. God has blessed me with wives. He's blessed me with children. He's blessed me with cattle. He's blessed me with everything that I desire and I need. And all it takes is you just reflect on what God has done for you. Reflect on that, 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 that God has given you something that you don't even deserve. He's blessed you above and beyond what you even deserve. God has given you everything that you have. And I know that you think you got it by your own, the might of your own hand, but it was the goodness of God that gave you everything that you have. And I can't understand why can't we get it. I am super appreciative for everything that God has given me. I know that I'm just a servant. Like I, I, don't, I don't deserve nothing that God has given me. But Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. Because when I came to Macedonia Baptist Church, I didn't have nothing but the shirt on my back. And God has blessed me with all of this. He's given me so much. That's why I don't have a problem with paying my tithes. I don't, I don't have a problem of giving unto the Lord. I don't have that problem. I bless his name. And my offering is only a portion of what I can give to God. Because money can always be gained and lost. But what I've really given God is that I've given God myself. I've given him all of me. I said, God, there's nothing that I'm going to withhold from you. If you ask for me to do it, I'll do it, God. And I'm willing to go all the way. Because he went all the way for me. The third thing that Jacob pleads for is he pleads for the protection of God. Verse 11 says, it said, please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me and the mothers that are with me. He's praying for God's divine intervention. Understand that, 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 that although Jacob is God's man, there are still some things that God needs to get out of Jacob. Much in the same way, you are the child of God. We are the children of God. But understand that there's some things that God has still got to get out of you. There's still some old ways about Jacob. He's still carrying the name Jacob. And so he's asking for forgiveness even after saying how good God has been to him. He still yet asks for the protection of God. And I, I, I don't know, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe Jacob was thinking about Psalms 34 where the angel of the Lord encamped around us and, and, and who fear him and he delivers us. He delivers them. This is what the psalmist says in, in, in verse number 8. He said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him will lack nothing. 
Did you get that? God will protect us. God is faithful. Or maybe he was thinking of Psalms 121, where he said that I will lift up my eyes to the hills from which cometh my help. All of my help comes from the Lord. And in times of trouble, when you have troubling time, that's the place to look is to the hills from which cometh your help. We have a tendency to look for help in all the wrong places. And it's time that God has to divorce ourselves from other folk. That we might realize that it is God the one who is going to provide the help that we need. I can't look to my wife. I can't look to my children sometimes. I can't even look to, to, to other folk. I have to look to God for all of my help. Or maybe, maybe he scooped down to verse number 5 in 121. He said, the Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade on thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall what? Preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. It's in the Lord. That's where our protection is at. I know we got our police departments and our fire departments, but they cannot protect us at all times. God is a God that never sleeps, nor does he ever slumber. He's always watching. He's always standing on guard. Because he protects us. He pleads for his protection. But lastly, he pleads for God's promise. Verse 12 says, but you said, I will surely do good and make your offering as the sands of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Here we see Jacob remembers the promise of God. That God had made him a promise. And brothers and sisters, understand that God has made us promises as well. He has made us some supernatural promises that he is bound to keep for us. He promised us that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. In, 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 in Isaiah 41, he promised us that he would be our strength, that he would give us strength in troubling times. In Isaiah 20, uh, 26 and 3, he promised that he would be our perfect peace. He would give us peace in the midst of our storms. In Deuteronomy 3 and 8, he promised that he would never leave us, nor would he ever forsake us. There's some promises here, I tell you. In John 16, he promises that we will be overcomers, that this world will not overtake us, that we will be overcomers in Christ Jesus. In Psalms 32, he promised that he would be our counselor. He would give us wise direction. These are promises from the Lord, I tell you. In, in Matthew 11, he promised that he would give us rest, even in times of when we're at our weakest moments. There's promises that the Lord has given us. He gives us these promises for a reason, that we might be able to stand on the promises of God. It's the promises of God that will get us over. And God has given us some promises. He's promised that he would keep his church. For in Matthew, the 16th chapter, he said that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a promise. God has promised us that. And no matter what we come up against, God is promising. Here, here, Jacob prays a magnificent prayer. A magnificent, an excellent prayer. But even after getting up off his knees and praying this prayer, Jacob still tries to take things into his own hands. Because it says that he begins to prepare gifts for Esau. And he sends them out strategically that he might be able to receive them one right after another. 
This was a technique that, that, that was used to try and get some type of conciliation from the person who was your adversary. It was meant to, to, to soften the blow. And here we see that Jacob is still trying to put his hands in this. And here's where God got to a place to where he said, I've had enough with you, Jacob. I've had enough with you. And so Jacob, God gets Jacob all by himself. There's no one else around. Understand, brothers and sisters, there's time that God needs to get you by yourself. And the reason why God needs to get you by yourself is because he don't want any type of outside interference. He wants to just, for you to just hear his voice. And there are times that, brothers and sisters, that you must shut everybody out. You must turn off the TV. Anything that will distract you, you must get along with the Lord. That God may be able to speak to you. Listen here, at my lowest moments... I was all by myself. There was times that I was crying out to the Lord. I said, God, I ain't got nobody. And God said, well, who am I? He said, no, you need to learn how to listen to me. You don't need other folk opinions. I'm telling you what to do. How many times have you allowed other people to change what I've already told you, Terry? And I've got to get you by yourself sometimes. But one of the things that we hate most is being alone with God because what that forces us to do, it forces us to look at us. And one of the last things we want to see is how filthy and messed up and jacked up we really are. But he gets him by himself. And he wrestles with Jacob. Nowhere in the text does it say that Jacob is wrestling back with him. It is God that initiated this. Because what he's trying to do is he's trying to get that stuff out of Jacob. That before he can take him to where he needs to be, he needs to get some of that self out of Jacob. And much in the same way, God needs to get some of that stuff out of you before he can use you. It's a painful situation. It's a difficult situation. But it's a beautiful situation. Because what God is doing with Jacob right now is that he's breaking Jacob. And understand, brothers and sisters, there is a beauty in brokenness. When you've been broke for the cause of Christ, God will begin to do some things in your life. And the areas that he breaks you in, he'll begin to mend and give you purpose for your life. Many of us can't get to our purpose because we won't allow God to break us. God cannot give you what he wants from you until he breaks you. So here he's struggling. He's contending. But he's contending with God. Jacob didn't realize that his arms are too short to box with God. And it's said that he struggles all night long. The entire night there's this struggle, there's this fight. Jacob is a stubborn man. And one of the greatest things that God had to contend with me is my stubbornness. Because I wanted things my way. I wanted to do things like I wanted to do with them. And God had to break me. I remember wrestling with God. 
I remember fighting with God. Fighting a losing battle. But understand it was necessary. There was some stuff in me that God could not use for his glory. And he had to get it out of me. Painful. It was lonely. There was time that I cried just about all night long. There was time that I could not even sleep. And I'd get up and I would, I would, I would talk to the Lord. And as if, if I, I wasn't hearing what I wanted to hear. And that's the problem. Is that when we don't hear what we want to hear. Instead of hearing what we need to hear. You see, people will tell you what you want to hear. And you'll find yourself back in the same situation and circumstances. But how many of us know that, that there's a liberating purpose in hearing the things that we need to hear? Because it's what God desires. It's what God wants to do. And so here he struggles with God. It says to the breaking of day. And after he, this man or the, the God himself felt that, that, that Jacob was not going to stop, it says that he touched the hollow of his thigh. In other words, he took all balance from Jacob's struggle. He took the strength out of Jacob. Because if you know anything about wrestling, if you don't have your lower extremity, if you have an hip injury, you do not have balance and therefore you can no longer struggle with God. And that there is time that God will touch you in areas that will cripple you. And it's really for your good. Because God said enough is enough. God wants to get you to that place to where you're totally depending upon him. Look what the text says, that, that when he touched him in the hollow of his thigh, it said that Jacob clinged to the man. And there are times that in this brokenness, you need to cling to the man, which is Christ Jesus. You need to just hold on. You need to just continue to, to do the things in which he told us to do. Stay closer to him. Don't run from him. Get closer to him. Hold on to him. Joseph, Joseph is clinging to the, to the Lord. He's holding on for dear life. And he tells, he, the, 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 the angel of the Lord asked him, he said, what is your name? He said, my name is Jacob. And this is quite interesting. Because the last time we have here, uh, Jacob asked this question. His answer was, my name is Esau. You remember when he tricked his, his father out of the blessing. He said, who is this? He said, I'm Esau. That's the old nature. Jacob is the old nature. And he said, from this day forward, your name will no longer be Jacob, but will be Israel. Why? Because you'll be a prince of the Lord's. God changed his name. He broke him. He caused him to cling to him. And he changes his name. And God desires to do the same thing to you. And even in salvation, you have been changed. And the change, your name change is that you are a born again believer. You are a Christian. And so we need to understand that we need to live like Christians. 
We must have the character of grits. We must be broken from those old ways, those old habits, those old ways of thinking. God has changed everything about Jacob. So now he changes his name. From that point forward, Jacob walked with a limp. It's a reminder of this moment in which he shared with God. God desires to bless him. He desires to bless you. Because that's the last thing that Jacob asked for. The man says to Jacob, release me, let me go. Jacob is clinging to him, let me go. He said, I won't let you go until you bless me. How many of us want to be blessed by the Lord this morning? You keep on clinging to God. You keep on learning of God. Because that's what it's going to take. Understand that God is getting Jacob prepared for this reunion with his brother. There is no way that Jacob could have went into this reunion, the old man, the way that he used to be. He needed to come to the place to where God could use him. And we're going to get to it next week because we're far past our time. I don't, want, I don't want to keep you too long, but we're going to conclude this next week because we need to understand the dynamics of family. There's going to be a great reunion amongst family. God is our father and we are his children. We are, were adopted into his family by the spirit of Christ. And the only way that you can get into the family is that you be born into this new family. It is really what's known as being born again. We've been born of the natural nature. But there is a spiritual rebirth that God wants to do in each and every one of our lives. There's a spiritual renewness that God wants to do. This is not about turning over a new leaf or putting down some bad habits. This is having a real and a right relationship with the God the Father through his son, Jesus the Christ. And understand that God is the one that orchestrated this. He's the one that planned this all along. Even before he founded the earth, God had a plan in place. And God's plan in place was that he would send his son, Jesus, who would take on the form of a man, come down here and teach us how to live these lives in which we've been given. We've been called to a life of holiness. We've been called to a life of righteousness. And the only way we can do it is by the demonstration in which Christ has given us. Yes, he came down through 42 generations. Yes, he did. He came, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. That was Jesus. That was the baby Jesus. But he grew up and he waxed well with man and God. And he gave his life for us. He gave his life in service to us. He showed us how to be a blessing. He showed us how to give to others, how to sacrifice. Yes, even sacrifice his very life. He gave everything that he had. He surrendered it unto the will of the Father. He said, not my will, but thine will be done. And they marched him up to Golgotha's cross. You know what happened. They nailed him to that cross, nailed him in his hands and in his feet, put a crown of thorns on his head, pierced him in his side, spat on him. But look what Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know why, what they do. There's power in forgiveness, enough power to save me from my wretchedness. Yes, he died upon that cross. They buried him in the tomb. But on the third day, hallelujah, he rose with all power in his hand. The glory behind it, because Christ rose, so shall I. I'm going to rise one day. 
But until then, I'll do God's work. I'll do his will. Because I need him to come back and see me as a servant, working, doing what he's told me to do. Because I want to hear, that good and faithful servant, well done. I'm working for a well done this morning. Always working for a well done. When I respond to other folk, I'm working for a well done. Because he's done so much for me. He's seated at the right hand side of God, making intercession for us. Jesus is praying for you right now as we speak. He's praying for you, the ones that have not accepted Jesus Christ. He's praying that you get up off that seat and come down and give your life to Christ. And so am I. But he's coming back. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Will you be ready? Will you be ready? Glory to God. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Amen and glory to God. The door to the church is open. <clears throat> amen, amen.